playoff game today and i played this guy in high school way back when i in like 2013 way back way back in 2013 um and he was really good then and he's still really really good now he's definitely like the top pitcher in our men's league for sure he strikes out like 15 guys a game like on a bad like on a bad week he's, he's got yeah. really good stuff and uh last year in the all-star game he actually hit me um in the hand he broke my hand actually um and this is the first time i got to face him since then, and it was like, uh, <laughs> this might sound like such a selfish thing as a baseball player, but like, I didn't really care about the result. I just wanted to do really, really well against him. Uh, and let's see, I walked the first time on four pitches. I bat lead off. And then I hit a bomb. I almost hit a home run, home run to left center, hit off the, hit off the fence. So I was kind of upset. My teammates were telling me that like, oh, if you hit it a little bit more towards the left, it was definitely a home yeah. run. I was like, ah, it is what it is. And then I pitched the last couple innings and he came up and I struck him out. So a little redemption, a little redemption, yeah, a little you know. Redemption. You know, but, it uh, reminds me a little bit of you remember you remember Stanton was hit in the face by Mike Fox. Yeah. Yeah, like, it was like, you know, really like, not intentional, but like he had he kind of had like some beef with Mike Fires the rest of his yeah. career. I think Mike Fires is out now. But you know, Stanton Stanton always had a little bit a little bit of an issue with him, you know, no intent, but it was, you know, you get hit by a guy like that. Uh, in the face like that or anything like that and you all of a sudden you feel like you gotta get a little uh, redemption could you imagine like think about it when stanton got hit by mike fires that was like the point in the mlb where like guys were transitioning from like throwing like 92 93 to like we started to get into the higher velocities yeah. like can you imagine if like i think he got i think it was 91 he got hit in the face yeah, mike imagine? fires doesn't like, throw hard you imagine yeah. if it was like someone who throws like 97 98 like I don't yeah. think Stan would be playing ball anymore. No, he, I mean, he was in he was in rough shape uh, to begin with. Yeah, facial fractures. <laughs> his entire face is bloody. You know, he wasn't one of these guys who took a ball off the head and was back in the lineup in a few days. That that affected him. Yeah, no, that was bad. But um, welcome back, everyone, to yeah, the AFN podcast. We're so happy to have you again. The support has been absolutely tremendous throughout the first two episodes. We look to keep you interested and integrated into our show. As it goes on, we have a couple of really, really nice topics. We have another would you rather question. We're going to be reading some mean comments or negative comments from All Sports News. Really, really excited about that. I'm, that's like my, that's, I wish we could just get that out of the way, but we have to save that. But that, that that's like my favorite topic on the list well, for it's, sure. It's, it's worth sticking around for. There's a few of them. You know, it's, it's, I have a lot of people tell me, in the comments that it's their favorite time of year when NFL power rankings start up <laughs> and we haven't even started up power rankings yet right now. Uh, I'm still working on player rankings and uh, that's, an, that's been enough to get some people fired up. So I'm looking forward to diving into that, getting a few. Oh yeah. I, I usually keep like, I keep it favorited on my, on my personal Instagram and then I'll go back to it like three hours after you posted it. Cause I still yeah. have, 
I, I have your notifications on. I've had since like 2012. By the way, the only Instagram account that I have notifications on is for you. So it's an honor. Thank, thank you very much for keeping <laughs> me uh, updated with uh, uh, the uh, latest and greatest news from the sports world. But so I'll, I'll go there. And I mean, now since everything's kind of sort of dead, I feel like now I basically know that when you post something, it's going to be like a, a player rankings. Mm-hmm. So I'll save it. I'll like it. And then I'll come back to it three hours later and there'll be like 700 comments. And like, yeah. of course, the most highlighted is like, oh, this guy's way too low. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. I love watching. I'll like run through. Obviously, I won't say anything now because we're going to do it anyway. But I'll run through like your responses because I know that you don't respond to everyone. But you got some really good comebacks on a lot of them. So I'm very proud of you for that, for sure. Yeah, I, you know, I got to pick I got to pick my battles. So that's why yeah, I'm not going to respond to everything. But it's funny, you, you know, yesterday's I know we're going to go into it more, but yesterday's with the cornerbacks. Um, I, I kind of posted it and ran. Like, I, yeah, I was busy last night. Didn't really have a lot of time to engage with people, and yet it still, I think, had more comments than any other one. Even without me adding on a lot of comments. Uh, so, yeah. to be honest, if you want to catch me by surprise, go through some of those comments from yesterday's post. I guarantee you, I've only seen maybe like half of them. So there, there could be some rough ones in there that I haven't seen. But I'm, I'm looking forward to getting into that. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what you got in store for us. I'm sure you got some real doozies over there. <laughs> but um, I, I think we should just really buckle down and get into what the biggest topic of the week is, in my opinion. And we are going back. We, have, we got a, a, a nice, decent list for NFL talk for this one, I'd like to say. But, I mean, I'll be the first one. And pro- I'm definitely not the first one to say it. But Kyler Murray getting $230 million over five years is probably one of the most ludicrous contracts I have ever seen in any sport we're talking about. I think this this tops the Ilya Kovalchuk <laughs> 17-year contract for me. Like, this was crazy. I remember getting that notification. I don't remember what day it was. I think it was, what, Wednesday or Thursday that he signed the extension. I could be wrong, but My it was incredible. I'm like, I don't know what day it is anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't know either, but... I know it's Sunday because that's the day that we usually record. So I know it's that day at least. I base my whole week off of when I, we record. I think it was Thursday that he signed it, which, they, yeah. T- see, time's flying so much that I would have said it was the beginning of the week. Looks like it was Thursday. So the more yeah, you know. I mean, the I'm going to read some things. I actually found some pretty funny uh, anecdotes to read off for this topic. Uh, first thing I want to plead, I don't even have to plead my case. Really. If you're an NFL fan, you know, that Kyler Murray has never won a playoff game. You know, he's not really the copacetic team player, quote unquote. Uh, you know, it didn't seem like he wanted to be on the Cardinals basically right after the season ended, you know, he signed this massive contract. Now you're leaving a lot less, especially with the guaranteed money, you're leaving a lot less for free agents and other players on your team as well. Uh, I'm sure not a lot of players really, really care about that. And, you know, the NFL cap is a myth, so I'm sure a lot of teams could find ways around that. But, you know, on the surface level, it looks like, oh, he's getting all this money. That's going to leave a lot less for other people. And also, I I mean, the guy's never thrown for 4,000 yards, you know. I think he's only top 3,500 once. Uh, He is dual threat, so that takes away a lot of his his air yards. I'll give him that. Uh, Never has thrown 30 touchdowns in a season. He's never won a playoff game. I, I, you know, I, I just can't really see the logic. I get that. That's really, it's not even really the going rate because if you break it down AAV, like on the, on the surface, it's almost, what is it? It's like $47 million a year, something like that. I, I'm probably way off or it's close to that. I think it's 46 you know? million a year, which comes I in. I think he's, I think he's ahead, of, ahead of Josh Allen. 
yeah, I, he's ahead of Josh Allen, someone who has won playoff game, you know, who is a perennial Super Bowl caliber quarterback every single year from basically the last two years and beyond. And I think he's the second highest paid quarterback, AAV, uh, right yeah. now. I think Aaron Rodgers is the only one that makes more. I mean, are we are we ready to have that talk that Kyler Murray is the second best quarterback in the league? Because by payment, he's the second best quarterback in the league. You know what, though? I think I remember about five years ago, uh, Derek Carr signed an extension. He was coming off a great year. Great year. Better, a year better than what Kyler Murray just had. I'll, I'll give him that. It was his career year. Uh, he signed an extension that made him the highest-paid quarterback in football. A month later, Matthew Stafford signed an extension that made him the highest-paid quarterback in football. This is obviously way before any Super Bowls or anything like that. I, I think the way the NFL is going and has been going for a little bit is if you are a franchise quarterback and you're up for a new extension, you're going to get – the going rate for you is essentially becoming the highest-paid quarterback. Uh, the, the short-term deals that Rodgers has signed and the uh, – the gigantic deal that Mahomes has signed has kind of thrown that off a little bit. Yeah. But essentially, last year was Josh Allen's turn. He was a 2018 draft pick. He signed a deal for $43 million a year. This year was Kyler Murray's turn. Franchise quarterback, not as good as Allen, but he is a franchise guy, $46 million a year. I think you're going to see Lamar Jackson pass that, whether that's uh, oh, Lamar Jackson is, is licking his chops from this. Oh, he Lamar is. Jackson has benefited so much. Listen, oh. he's he's done. So, he, it was such a smart play for him to wait because yeah. he's done so much in the past that he didn't even have to come out and light set the world on fire last year to get a gigantic contract. He didn't have a great year last year. He missed about what is it? I think he missed like six or seven games. games. Yeah, and then he had some really bad turnover issues. And yet, we all know for a fact he's going to come out and get forty six million or more per year because of what Kyler Murray just got. You know, if the Ravens aren't willing to pay that, somebody else will. But absolutely. You you know, you look at Kyler Murray, like, is he a quarterback who's worth forty six million dollars a year? Probably not. Has he won a playoff game? No. I don't think that's really the litmus test for this because three years in, I'm not sure you have to win a playoff game. A uh, Josh Allen mm-hmm. when did Josh Allen win a playoff game? I think he beat the who did he come out and beat? Wasn't his first playoff win actually against the Patriots this past year? Was that his first playoff win? No, they went to the AFC title game last year. Oh, yeah. So they they beat the Ravens, actually. Oh, yes, that's right. So he won a playoff game in his third year. Kyler Murray didn't. Listen, we're all in agreement that Josh Allen's better than Kyler Murray. But look at Derek Carr. He's never won a playoff game. He gets paid pretty big money. I think you either have a quarterback or you don't. And the Cardinals said, look, we have a quarterback. We got to keep him. We can't go back to square one or we can't lowball him and risk him causing a scene and requesting a trade like he almost did this offseason. I just don't think I've never really believed in what the Cardinals were, you know, giving us. I mean, like Kyler Murray is a guy. He seems like a regular season stat god, in my opinion. Like I feel like when Crunch, besides for that Hail Mary to beat the Bills a couple seasons ago, I mean, I. You know, I, I'm not really – I can't really think of things off the top of my head where I'm like, you know, Kyler Murray is worth this because he does this. Like, I don't really think he steps up in big situations. Like like, like you're saying, well, if we were going on the playoff win road, right. now we're going to, you know, signature moments. You look at guys like, you know, Matthew Stafford had a signature moment, say, in the, in the NFC Championship game, that, that deep throw to set up the game-winning field goal. And he's had tons of – of ones before that, you know, when he basically separated his shoulder and went out there and converted that that two point conversion or whatever it may be to win the game against the Bengals that time way back, 
You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. You know, he's had signature moments. Josh Allen has had signature moments as well. You, you know what I mean? I can't really think besides for that Hail Mary, what Kyler Murray has, has really done. He seems like a great regular season player. And he puts, I, I would say he doesn't really, he's not detrimental to his team's success in the regular season. I don't, he doesn't, I don't think he turns the ball over that much. I feel like he's pretty careful with it. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come on here and say that I don't think Kyler Murray is a good quarterback. I think Kyler Murray is a good quarterback. I don't think he's worth $230 million. And I think the consensus NFL fans will say that he's not worth $230 million either. And the problem is that his signature moments come in October and November. Not that those mm-hmm. games don't count. They very much count. But you, you mentioned the Hail Mary. That's probably his signature moment. And the other one that I think of is not so much a moment, but a game. He had a ridiculously good game against the Seahawks, I think, in October 2020. Mm-hmm. This is all the pandemic season. Uh, he won them that game. And then I think he came out again against the Seahawks and had a great game where they lost uh, maybe a month or so later. Mm-hmm. That, that was like his peak. You know, it, 2020 uh, – sorry, 2021 – they started, what, 8-0, 9-0? Yeah. And yet you didn't feel like he had any of those moments in 2021. No. Uh, you know, obviously, and then the, the big issue with him is that they fold late in the season. Yeah. You know, he came out against the Packers and had a chance to really, really establish the Cardinals as the top team in the NFC. Uh, and they blew it. He threw the interception to Rasul Douglas. It wasn't all his fault. A.J. Green messed up on that play. Uh, but it seemed like from that point on, they were an average team at best. And I'm wondering – didn't they? So they started off. I think. It, I think it was eight and zero. I think right. It was eight and zero. Eight and zero or nine and zero. But those. didn't they finish the season like eleven and six? Yeah, I believe so. Wow, I didn't even realize that until you actually said that. Where I was like, I thought they finished eleven and six. So they really, you're right. They really trended in the wrong direction. Um, to late last season. So you're right. They, they definitely do bad losses too. Yeah, they definitely do. He didn't crumble. start every game because I know. The, I know he missed three. They lost, they, to the, they, they lost to the Lions, right? They lost to the Lions. Yes, I do remember that. I got a couple tweets here that I thought were really, really funny to share about what some people w- are thinking about this Kyler Murray situation. So one of them, the NFL, the official NFL account on Twitter said, 2019 Rookie of the Year, two-time Pro Bowler, first player with 70-plus passing touchdowns and 20-plus rushing touchdowns in his first three seasons, first player with 3,500 passing yards and 400 rushing yards in in each of his first three seasons, Kyler Murray has been electric since joining the league. And then the fir- the very first comment, like this guy had it like on, like he was just waiting for it his whole life, was first player to accomplish all of that and finish dead last in his division yearly. Bro is the Russell Wilson of the NFL. And I thought that that was such a great, great comparison. The Russell Wilson of the NFL, all stats, but then when it really comes down to it, you can't really think of too many things that Russell, that Kyler Murray has done where you're like, huh, deserving of all that money. And then the other one was, it says Kyler Murray right now. And then it's a, um, a snippet of a, of a lyric from a Lil Uzi Vert song. And it says, in reality, I'm 5'4", stand on my money. Now I'm 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely great. But That's amazing. really, I, I mean, I get. I don't really think this was an argumentative type of topic. I just kind of really wanted to get, uh, I haven't said a word about this to anyone. I just really wanted to get my feelings off of my chest about the whole Kyler Murray situation because like, uh, I'm not buying what he's selling and I'm, I've never bought what Cliff Kingsbury is selling. Yeah. I think Cliff Kingsbury has had some of the most talented quarterbacks in college and in the NFL in his entire, in, in the entire existence of football. And he's done absolutely nothing with all of it. 
if if Patrick Mahomes never breaks out, if he doesn't, well, let, let's say this: if Patrick Mahomes uh, doesn't have that breakout year in 2018, because mm-hmm. Kyle Cliff Kingsbury was hired in 2019, does he get hired by an NFL team? I don't think so. I think he was hired because Patrick Mahomes had that ridiculous 50 touchdown season in, in 2018, like that. You know, something that happened, of course, he played under Kingsbury in college. But the way he broke out in the NFL, away from Kingsbury, probably got Cliff that kind of, that job. Uh, but but switching gears from that, and this is a problem with Kingsbury, and it's a problem with Kyler Murray, too. I don't think you can blame one person. They went, uh, in his last eight starts, counting the playoffs this past year, he went two and six. They won two games in his last eight starts after starting uh, eight and oh. That's a huge problem. It's not the first time they've collapsed either. I mean, this has become a regular thing for them. But he uh, he lost to the Packers. We know that. That was a close one. It was at home. They probably should have won that. You could really say that their season kind of fell apart after that loss. It did. And But you know what? But they he missed the next three games after that. Colt McCoy yeah, started. And they went 2-1. and one. They Which, you know, I was just going to say, Colt McCoy is like one of the best backup quarterbacks in football. <laughs> so, you know, in, in the NFL, if you're a backup and you put together three solid starts, you almost ex- you basically extend your career five years. Colt McCoy just <laughs> earned himself so another true. five years in the NFL with those three starts. <laughs> He's going to be 48 years old. He is. <laughs> in the NFL if you can still. prove you can win a few games, you're set. Yeah. Uh, he w- So he went two and one, and then Kyler comes back and they beat the Bears. Not going to really give, that, give him that much credit for that. Yeah. They go out and lose to the Rams. They, he starts against the Lions. They score 12 points. They lost by, uh, by 18. Then they lost to the Colts. That was a Christmas game. He got outplayed by Carson Wentz in that one. Carson Wentz had his – talk about signature moments. Yeah. Wentz That's just how you all you need to know. Against Kyler Murray in that game. Uh, and then what, what made it look like maybe these weren't the Cardinals of old, they went out and beat the Cowboys in Dallas. Yeah, well, that's not really that great. In week 17. <laughs> oh, listen, if you if you get blown out by the Lions, I'm going to give you credit for beating the Cowboys in Dallas. I guess at so. Least, at least they're a playoff team. Uh, and then the final week of the season, they lose to the Seahawks, who had stripped everything down already, really had nothing yeah. left. They gave up 38 points in that one. And then the, the playoff game was abysmal. I, I understand they played the eventual champions. Uh, but they, they didn't come out looking like they were prepared to play at all. And that, no, that, that bad game – that game was a wash from the second quarter. That and game I put was that on Cliff Kingsbury. Quarter. Listen, if you're not if you're not as talented, fine. They weren't as talented. They weren't prepared for that game. They no, were not ready not. for what for what the Rams are bringing. And I I put that one on Cliff Kingsbury. But of course, if you have a quarterback who's good enough to cut through bad preparation and is that talented, you're going to have better results than 34 to 11, which is what that game ended up as. Yeah, uh, it, it's a it's a a problem that isn't limited to one person in Arizona. Uh, I don't. I don't totally blame them for giving him a huge extension. I think if you decide you're not going to give him that, he's going to request a trade, and if he requests a trade, you're completely back to square one. And there's no yeah. guarantee you're going to get somebody nearly as talented as Kyler. Yeah, Hurt. at least they have made the playoffs, so that's basically half the battle. Yeah, I you mean, you could look at it and say, look, this even though they've collapsed two years in a row, they were the a sub-500 perennial team. playoff team. Yeah, they were yeah. a sub-500 team his first year. They were on the verge of the playoffs in year two. And then year three, they made it. All they had, if they can come out next year and just not collapse, if they can win <laughs> sure. a playoff game, then you know you've shown signs of progress. Uh, if they do collapse, now that Kyler has shown, now that Kyler has signed that extension, he's not going to be the one to go. So you know Cliff is going to be out yeah. if they don't perform next year. Now this brings 
us to this point in this conversation of everyone's, well, everyone's favorite, my favorite at least, segment that is now for the second week in a row, which I guess you consider it a, a every week segment now, right? I would I would say that there's there's an endless amount of would you rather questions, especially when it comes to sports. So I think we're safe to say that this will be a weekly segment. But now that I'm thinking about this question, pretty self-explanatory. I don't think we have to take too much time on it. I think there are some similarities between these two guys, and there's definitely a lot of differences, especially playing. But uh, Dan, would you rather have Kyler Murray or Deshaun Watson as your franchise starting quarterback right now? Pure talent, I want Deshaun Watson. I, I've been high on Deshaun Watson for ever since his rookie year when he had a little bit of a turnover problem. But other than that, he set the world on fire. He was incredible, the type of things he could do. I think Deshaun Watson is probably a top five quarterback when on the field. Now, the, you know, the mm-hmm. problem with saying that is he hasn't been on the field. And, you know, yeah. part of that is his fault because, well, really, it's all his fault. Uh, you know, we know the sexual assault allegations. And then on top of that, uh, he wouldn't have played last year anyway because he requested a trade. He had no interest in playing for Houston, and they didn't have any interest in rushing to trade him. So it's it's hard for me to, to give him a ranking, although I, I probably will in a couple of days on Instagram. <laughs> it's hard for me to give him a ranking, but pure talent-wise, he's top five or six in the NFL, and I don't I don't see Kyler Murray there. Kyler Murray has not proven that. I don't think I, I honestly uh, I don't think Kyler Murray is a top ten quarterback, and that's just really like that. I've I've thought that for some time. He's definitely fringe, and there's an argument for maybe he could be on the back end, maybe like nine or ten. But I don't really see him cracking the top eight. If we want to get generous, I don't see him cracking the top eight. And when Deshaun Watson, I mean, I'll read you off his statistics right here. I mean, to further cement his spot inside the top 10, even inside the top, maybe seven or six is three full, three full seasons in the league for Deshaun Watson. Right. You have 4,100 yards, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 103.1 rating. Very, very solid. Next year, a little bit more of a, of, of a turnover problem. I'd say 3,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 98 rating. And then his last full season, obviously his best, closing in on 5,000 yards, 4,823 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 112.4 quarterback rating. I mean, and then if you, if you even want to compare what Kyler Murray's best season is to that, I guess you could say it was last year uh, overall, where you have 3,700 yards, 24 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, a 100.6 quarterback rating. I don't really think there's much of an argument for Kyler Murray Especially a lot of people, you can't even go the team player route because they're both terrible teammates. I mean, like, <laughs> like Deshaun Watson's just like, I don't care about anyone in Houston. Like, you can go, you know, shove off, whatever it may be. I didn't want to say what I was going to say. That was going to be really, really bad. But, uh, you know, you can go piss off or whatever it may be. I don't want to be here. I'm not going to play. Screw you guys. And then Kyler Murray's like, listen, you don't give me cash. I'm not going to come back. And he could have, I honestly, was thinking before this came about, like the extension talks or the announcement of the extension, I thought we were going to see a similar situation with Kyler Murray in Arizona where it's like, you know, I don't really want to be here and you don't really want to give me the money that I want. So I'm not going to play. I'm going to sit here. You don't want to trade me. I'm not going to play. That that statement he put out was bizarre in the offseason. You know, that's the first time I've seen a player put out, uh, uh, I don't know, what was that, like eight eight paragraphs or something? I mean, it's like a full page statement. Uh, demanding an extension and explaining, basically, he made his pitch for why he 
want an extension. And the obvious takeaway from that is, of course, he made his pitch to the Cardinals before that. It must have not been very well received. I mean, it, obviously, something moved along the way. But he must have felt they weren't listening, and so he had to go public with it. That's why I thought we might see him. Like I agree with you. I thought we might see him out of there for that reason. Because I thought that I took that as a signal as the Cardinals really aren't showing much of an interest. But for, for you know, whatever, whatever I, I thought, got it done, they got it done. I thought everything was on the table because with the quarterback movement that we saw this past offseason, basically the most shocking, greatest offseason in sports history that we've ever seen. Like that was the craziest every day and I had to have the receivers phone. too yeah I had to have my phone glued to my hand at work the entire offseason because I was like I can't miss anything I'm like you know yeah, Matt and, Ryan and, got traded and almost nobody even batted an eye because yeah, it was like, yeah, right. it was. you know and then Carson Wentz got it traded again and everyone was like oh geez here we go yeah. again but, you know but, you got an MV, former MVP uh and NFC champion Falcons quarterback for 14 years gets traded and it was like oh look more NFL news and then I think a day later Tyreek Hill went I think it was more of like, I think it was more of like, oh no, here go the Colts going after another washed up quarterback again or something like that. And Dan, that is interesting that we mentioned the Colts there and Matt Ryan. You brought up a good um, topic that we wanted to talk about. And I think that you should lead the way on this one because this is very, very interesting. And I have a quick rebuttal that might just end this conversation real quick. But I would, I would love to hear, first off, where you came up with this topic mm-hmm. and what your reasoning is and, and like what your stance is on it. Yeah, so I, I was going through Twitter, as one does, um, and somebody wrote an article uh, either, met, either asking the question or giving their, their stance on it. I forget which. Uh, but the question was, does Andrew Luck belong in the Colts Ring of Honor? And... My first instinct was to say yes, I, and I thought that because three years have passed and people have gotten over it, that Colts fans would mostly agree with me, and really, I was not correct about that, uh, at least based on what I see on Twitter. And listen, I understand Twitter is, is mostly negative, so I, I, you know, I know the negative yes. comments are going to stand out more than the others, and I'm sure a majority of Colts fans would like to see him in the Ring of Honor, uh, but a lot of people disagreed, and a lot of it wasn't just performance-based. A lot of people felt that he quit on the team. And, um, you know, while I, I even saw a couple comments and, you know, I, I can, I can kind of get on board with this. A couple of people said, look, I don't, I don't blame him for walking away. I, I don't think, I don't think anybody can blame him for saying, look, my, my body is done. Like I, I've, I've given all I can give and I'm tired of being in pain constantly. Uh, and some people said, look, look, I get that, but technically he did quit on his team he gave up on these players two weeks before the season began after it's been proven that he told all of them everything's fine and I'm going to be back as normal. And uh, he's very secretive about his retirement plans. Um, but personally, I, I think he gave so much to that franchise and was such a step above uh, every other quarterback except for, you know, Peyton Manning that yeah. he probably belongs there. I mean, look, he was a, he was mostly a top 10 quarterback. When he was in the yeah, NFL, even, even down to his last year when he was excellent, um, I think if I think if uh, you know if he had played another five years, no matter what the end was, nobody would be even having this debate. Uh, yeah, but, I, I think I, there was a couple um, interesting rebuttals to, to like what I had immediately when I saw this, and I think it is a good um, deep like conversation to have because obviously on the surface, any maybe NFL. 
maybe any couldn't speak for a second. Maybe any NFL fan from a different franchise will go, of course, Andrew Luck, you know, deserves to go into the Ring of Honor. But there's certainly a lot of factors that go into it. And it's very, very prestigious. Even for a team as terrible as the Jets, like that I'm a fan of, you know, or are you you're a fan of too, right? Yep, that's right. Still learning things about each other, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're, we're both fans of the Jets, and they're horrible, but they have some fantastic players in the Ring of Honor. You know, it, it, it's, it's very prestigious, no matter how, you know, bad of a franchise you are. But another thing, too, yeah, I guess you could say that Andrew Luck did quit on his team, but at the same time, constant, you know, I don't want to say complaints, but, uh, you know, he, he constantly wanted upgrades to the offensive line, and at that point, the Colts front office was not giving him what he wanted. The offensive oh, yeah. line was consistently horrible when he was when he was healthy. And most of the injuries came because of that offensive line. So I can't really I guess you could say that he quit on his team, but like what would it mean to him 40 years from now when he's basically crippled if he played another five years, right? And been like, oh well, I never quit on my team. Now I I know I'm in terrible pain and I have horrible physical health. So I, I 100%, I 100% backed his decision. Then uh, I absolutely think he deserves to be in the Ring of Honor. Like you said, he probably the most impactful Colts quarterback. Besides, for if you want to throw Johnny Unitas in there as well, Johnny Unitas and and Peyton Manning was far and away a top three franchise quarterback for them. And um, I, I brought up something interesting here that also was a quick rebuttal. This was my this was my quick rebuttal that obviously he belongs in the Ring of Honor. So I'm going to read you off the Ring of Honor, um, you know, people who have been inducted in the Ring of Honor, and you're going to tell me the one person that does not, that should not really belong there, and that'll be the answer to it, why Andrew Luck belongs there. So uh, you have Robert Ursay, Bill Brooks, uh, Chris Hinton, Jim Harbaugh, Tony Dungy, Marvin Harrison, Edgar and James, Eric Dickerson, Marshall Falk, Jeff Saturday, Bill Polian. Peyton Manning, Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, Tariq Glenn. Who doesn't belong in that? Well, uh, Jim Harbaugh does not seem like he would stand up to uh, to what Andrew Luck did in his career. Bingo, and there's your answer, Dan. <laughs> if, if Jim Harbaugh is there, did Jim Harbaugh even play as long as Andrew Luck did in Indianapolis? Jim Harbaugh played on the Indianapolis Colts for three seasons, 90, 95, 96, 97. And he was, he threw, yeah, I pulled it up. He was a pro bowler one time. Unless he threw like 145 touchdowns in three seasons or something that I'm just not seeing. I don't he really threw, see how. He 49. Over three seasons. Actually over four. He played in 1994, but not the full season. Oh, good God. Okay. So I don't know what that's all about, but I, I had to. Do you know how many websites I went to to verify if that was true or not? I was like, there's no way he's in the ring of honor. I was so like, that, Forty-nine touchdowns over four years is an average of twelve point three per year, and it lives in different era, but it's not that dramatic of a gap. No, you know, it's not still, at all. It's, it's the late nineties. It's not the late seventies. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say if it was like the forties with, <laughs> with like Otto Graham throwing like ten touchdowns and forty-eight interceptions and still being a Hall of Fame quarterback, yeah, go for it. But you know, the late nineties where offenses were really starting to take shape and light the world on fire. Jim Harbaugh doesn't really scream out as a, <laughs> as a ring of honor type of quarterback for me, but that was really my quick rebuttal where it was like, well, if Jim Harbaugh's in it, Andrew Luck has to be in it. Yes. You know? It, it, yeah. If he's in, you know, Andrew Luck got them to an AFC title game. Uh, but I have to say that if you want another rebuttal for that, 
Do you remember the banner they ha- they hung after that AFC Championship game in 2014? No. It said AFC finalists. Oh, God. They hung a banner for losing, what was it, 45-14 to the Patriots? Well, that's Jim Irsay for you. Yeah. So if, if, the, if being an AFC finalist and losing to the Patriots by 31 in the AFC title game gets you a banner, I guess Andrew, there's a low bar. Andrew Luck goes in. He goes in the ring of honor. I guess there's a real low bar there, yeah. To 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 put up to hang up a, a, an accomplishment of losing to did did what was that 2014? Did the Patriots yeah. win the Super Bowl that year? Yes, that was the Deflate Gate year. Oh, okay, the so there you go. So you, so you could put it up. You can go. We lost to the eventual Super Bowl champions. <laughs> I could see. I could see the reasoning behind it, but no, that's that's terrible. But Jim Irsay, you know, ever since. Thank God Chris Ballard has taken Chris Ballard has taken over as GM because I think that he's a fabulous general manager and I love what he's done with that team. But my God, that team was just in shambles for for post like Peyton Manning era was just in in disrepair for a little yeah. while. It was it was Ryan Grigson. Ryan Grigson was their GM uh, every single one of those years. Twenty, he was fired in January 2017. He was hired in early 2012, so he had a five year stint. And he just didn't invest in what needed to be addressed. You know, he didn't put that offensive line together. And I think the first thing you got to do when you take a quarterback of Andrew Luck's caliber is build an offense around him. It's why I I really feel bad for Justin Fields, because I said when he was showing some flashes last year, and there weren't many of them, but when he was showing flashes, listen, you owe it to him and you owe it to yourself to just build an offensive line, build uh, some offensive weapons, get some receivers, anything. And just see what he can do. And they listen, didn't do it. They listen. they really didn't do it. They I, I said, listen, forget the defense. Do you need, don't even touch the defense. You yeah. can give up thirty points a game. You don't need to win anything. At least, but build a competent offense around your quarterback. And I think that's what the Jets are trying to do with Zach Wilson. Yes, I think and I'm I'm very much looking game. forward to that. What think, what bothers me about this, and, and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I've actually talked about this many times before on like different podcasts and even on my YouTube channel and stuff. I I feel terrible for Justin Fields because. I do think that he's extremely talented. You know, last year was rocky, but how many Hall of Fame or perennial all-pro quarterbacks have had a really bad first year? Right. Basically all of them for the most part. You know, you set him up for success. Look at the Zach Wilson definitely showed a lot of flashes. He did not light the world on fire in his first year. The Jets are fully invested in Zach Wilson. They very much improved the offensive line. He's got a ton of weapons around him and they even improved the defense to, you know, maybe keep them in games longer as well. Chicago went into the offseason, spent virtually no money. They brought in Byron Pringle. They brought in 74-year-old Velas Jones through the draft, yeah. who's been on literally six different college teams. And who, who apparently they want to give a huge role to in year yeah. one, even though yeah. he wasn't considered a day two prospect. Yeah, and not only that, and then you use your first two. They only had five picks in the draft. So you use your second and your third round pick on two defensive backs, back-to-back. Now, granted, Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon were great picks. But you're not setting your quarterback up for success. I don't know what – I don't understand what these teams are doing. There has been molds for this where have you been terrible with a rookie quarterback and then in two years – I mean, look, look at – Cincinnati is a perfect example, but they did it without an offensive line. Now I'm really, really excited to see what they could do with probably a top 10 offensive line on paper at least. Right. Did, you know? Did the Bears no. need to take two d- defensive backs in the second round? 
They definitely like, needed a cornerback, but, yeah, but, but, but this is what like, I mean. Is like, oh, okay, well now Justin Fields gets sacked forty times this year. Unless you're you're prepared to move on from him, maybe they they already are with the new regime. Yeah, and now, if you, if you for your future, I I I'm I'm a terrible human being. I've been cutting you off every step of the way no, this entire good. episode. I'm very very you sorry. Doing the same. But um, no, it, it, I could read you right now because I've been, as you know, the the video I just put up has been. So I've been looking at everyone's offensive line. So we're running from an offensive line of, so your tackle is probably going to be Braxton Jones, who's a fifth-round rookie, on the left side. So right there, there's your blindside blocker, fifth-round rookie. I can't say I'm too confident in that. So then you run over to left guard. You have, I think, uh, I think Cody Whitehair is going to play left guard. So then you have Lucas Patrick playing center. Um, and then... Larry Borum, who was a fifth-round rookie last year, playing right guard. And then you have Tevin Jenkins, a second-round rookie from last year, playing right tackle. So right there you have and Tevin Jenkins I, Cody, White, well. Cody Whitehair is far and away your, yeah. your best offensive lineman. And that really, really says something. I know we went down a little bit of a rabbit hole there. But basically what we're trying to say is there's been a mold that you set yourself up. I've been saying if I'm an old-school football fan, you win football games in the trenches. You build up your defensive line. You build up your offensive line. You're pretty much set for the most part if you got those two. If you got mediocre talent around that, you could win a lot of football games. And the Colts didn't follow that mold no. with Andrew Luck. And to be honest, you know, we talked about the offensive line. They didn't have much of a defensive line either. But from the offensive line perspective, Ryan Grigson added just about nothing. Yeah. That ended up costing Andrew Luck his career. Uh, and then he actually got very lucky taking T.Y. Hilton in the, uh, late in the third round, I believe, uh, Andrew Luck's rookie year. If T.Y. Hilton turned out to be your average third-round, you know, number three wide receiver or a bust or something like that, Andrew Luck would have had nothing. All they yeah. had was an aging Reggie Wayne, and they were very lucky that T.Y. Hilton panned out the way he did. Other than that, they didn't really make an investment to add receivers. The only other one I could think of is in 2015, they signed the corpse of Andre Johnson. <laughs> to be, to be, yeah, that's, that's, he was going to be their number two receiver behind T.Y. Hilton. And Andre Johnson ended up being old. Yeah, he was just too old. Right? He wasn't good. That was great. And they weren't a playoff team. No, you're, you're 100% right. That's really funny. I, I, it took me like two seconds there to, to really – I was like, who did he say? <laughs> but um, no, you're right. I mean, considering how – like, and I think it's a testament to the last thing I'm going to say too. I think it's a testament – to Andrew Luck being a Ring of Honor member because look at the talent that he had around him, defensively, offensively, offensive line, weapons-wise. And now look at the Indianapolis Colts, who probably have, in a very short time, one of the most well-balanced, well-constructed rosters in all of football. So it really says something. Andrew Luck, to, to me, seems like the Don Mattingly of the New York Yankees, where it was like, once he left, then they won the World Series. Like, obviously, they haven't won anything yet. but. Like he was the best player probably on that team, and Andrew Luck was the best player on that team for quite some time, and they did diddly squat. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the roles are reversed, right? Now, all of a sudden, the quarterback is the problem. Is the problem in Indianapolis, and everything else is figured out. So you know they've been able to cycle through a few decent ones. I mean, Philip Rivers had a solid year there. Yeah, Carson Wentz was really not that bad. He was bad. On paper, when it he had a solid year. He was bad when it counted, which is the which is why which they got sucked. rid of him. But 
he was he had a, he had a, I'll give him credit. He had a solid year. Yeah. Uh, and then Matt Ryan, I bet, will have a fine year too. I mean, how can you not? You know, you've got a real solid offensive line. They still haven't really figured out the receivers. Uh, Pittman is a Pittman's a, a real solid receiver, but I feel like they still have to add a little bit more. Yeah. But um, you know, all, all of a sudden, if you had Andrew Luck on a team like this, you might actually have something special and. Uh, I, I think Andrew Luck knew that the team was heading in the in the right direction. I mean, he had a he had a great year, his final year, and they yeah, they he won was a great. playoff too. And they ended up losing to the eventual champs, the Chiefs. Um, no, not the eventual champs, the eventual uh, next year's champs, the Chiefs. It was yeah. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes' first year. Yeah, uh, but I think he knew the team was going in the right direction. So you know, it's 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 tough to say like, oh, what could have been, like, yeah, what could have been, but. He, he knew that the team was getting better. He just couldn't take another hit. He couldn't take another blow. He didn't want to live in pain like that. And so, look, I don't blame him for that at all. I think, I don't. I think he, he did all he could. Uh, he, he earned the, the right to make that decision. And because he's better than Jim Harbaugh and because he his name would look better than the AFC finalist banner, I think he belongs in their ring of honor. Bingo. There you go. I, I think that we took – a, uh, that was a, a very interesting route that we took to get to that final sentence there. But I think what we said really, really needed to be said in that situation because I think it's crazy that some people think that he's not worthy. Of, think think about the third best. Some even argue second best if, if you really want to go into numbers. Think about your second or third best quarterback in your franchise history not being in your ring of honor. It's crazy. Right. So. I think right then and there, that's all that really needs to be said about that. Another thing as well that I didn't ask you about during the week, which I honestly don't even like this one. I had more of an idea. This one, I don't really understand what you're bringing to the table with this one. So I'm going to let you take take the reins on this next topic here. Yeah. So this is another one I pulled from social media because it's something I enjoyed. And if you watched the Home Run Derby or if you didn't, because you might have seen it on Twitter, you've seen the screenshot of uh, Pete Alonzo with his eyes closed, uh, waiting to take his turn in the home run derby, looking like he's either about to go into war or he is the most determined man on earth to win the million-dollar home run derby prize. And I saw it, people, you know, the memes are one thing, all right? People were like, why, why does he take this so seriously? Or, this, you know, this. people on, on Twitter were almost upset with him, saying, like, oh, he's, he's so corny. Like, you know, taking the home run derby this seriously is a joke, all that. Meanwhile... Seven and a half million people watched the Home Run Derby, as almost as many people as the All-Star Game. They put in a million-dollar prize so that players would care about it. And for years, I know I've been saying the Home Run Derby will be better when we have somebody who has a dynasty of sorts, somebody who everybody's waiting to be knocked off. I once thought that could be Aaron Judge. He didn't want to continue with the Home Run Derby. Uh, Pete Alonso kind of took that torch. He turned the Home Run Derby into a little bit of a dynasty. And yeah. then all of a sudden this year, you know, they show him, I think he was like deadlifting inside, getting ready for it. He was, I did see that, that it, was, I actually didn't get a chance to watch it cause I was, I was working, Yeah, but it, but yeah, I did see that part where he was deadlifting beforehand. Was deadlifting. Wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think was, that that wouldn't like work to your advantage? Wouldn't you think that your muscles would be like tired after yeah, doing I think something it's like too that? Late to deadlift. I think you should deadlift like two weeks ahead of time. I don't think you should do it that day, but people <laughs> were, were roasting him for, for being so passionate about the home run derby wondering why he cares so much but i think it's awesome that he cares that much like of course it's an exhibition i, I don't think pete alonzo is going to come out and tell you this matters as much to him as the world series but this is a premier event on the baseball calendar 
Seven and a half million people watch this thing. They give out a million dollars to win it. Seven hundred and fifty k to finish second, which he he was one round. I think Ooh, that's that nice. was the round he was coming up on to get into the finals uh, when they showed that on ESPN. I don't think there's anything wrong with the guy taking it that seriously. I think it really helps grow the event. I think it helps grow All Star Weekend. You know, if, would you wouldn't you feel insulted if these guys went out there and had absolutely not a care in the world? If they went up to the home run derby and just absolutely didn't care who won, like that's I what I that's, that's what I was afraid of happening with Albert Pujols. So I was afraid that yeah. everybody was going to go up there and let him win. Ugh, that would have sucked. That would have been awful. But but you bring up a really really good point there because. You know, oh, he's taking this too seriously. These guys take this too seriously. Think about it like this. What the pro remember when the Pro Bowl was like, I guess, watchable for like two years? No. And then we kind of really figured out that those players are just in it for a free trip to Honolulu to Honolulu. So you know what? Like everyone stopped watching it. No one cares about the Pro Bowl anymore. And now it's basically a dead event where there's probably more people in the stands for the event than there are watching at home. You know, so like, do you want it to turn into something like that? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't care how rich I am. $750,000 or a million dollars is something I'd be pretty serious about winning. You know what I mean? Especially Pete Alonzo. Like you have like expectations. Sully, you just won the last two. You know, uh, I'm sure many people bet on him too. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure it was clouding his mind for at least a week or two beforehand or when he, whenever he was announced that he was going to be back in it. Like, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sure that was something that he was really, really thinking about. I think it's stupid to, you know, I, you know, us, we, uh, regular citizens get on their soapbox and they like to preach and they like to say this and that. In reality, we have no idea what we're talking about when it comes to player feelings or anything like that. We have no idea. We've never played in front of 50 plus thousand people every single night. Like we just love to talk and talk and talk. And then, you know what? The same person that probably trashes Pete Alonzo. On, tw- on Twitter is probably the same guy that would be first in line. Oh my God, Pete, I love you so much if he ever passed him by on the street. So yes. what are we really talking about here? It's it's just people just love to talk and then their talk means nothing at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, or, they, or they'd be the first to criticize him when he loses, which they probably were. If you, if you look back on some of these tweets, the people who said, why, you know, he's so corny, why does he take this so seriously? We're probably uh, in his mentions 15 minutes later when he, he lost in the second round. I mean, it, we would feel we would feel insulted if those guys went out there to this event that the league promotes constantly and didn't give their all. We want them to give their all. We want them to be passionate about it. I think there's nothing wrong with Pete Alonso taking the home run no, very seriously. Absolutely not. And it's a very it, it's it's a physically exhausting thing as well. Like think about that. Like they're literally swinging as hard as they can. How many times did how many times did Julio Rodriguez or Juan Soto swing? Yeah, uh, you I mean, know. Julio, Julio hit something like 80 home runs. So on t- add on top of that, all the ones that didn't go out. That's what I'm saying. So like you're swinging the ball, you're swinging the bat relentlessly every single time, a hundred plus times, you know, it, I don't want to say like, Oh, you know, I feel bad for them because they're exhausted, but like, you know, they're giving it their all, you know, they want to hit home runs. Who wants to go out there in a home run derby and hit zero home runs? Right. Like, what are we talking about here? Not you saying you, I'm you just saying like, it's ridiculous. Of? You know what it made me think of the slam dunk contest. Which has become a joke. Yeah. Because these guys, I listen, I'm not saying that they go into it without a care in the world, but they don't care as much as Dwight Howard when he was winning slam dunk contests. They don't care as much as Nate Robinson, who had to care because of how short he was. He had a plan ahead of time. <laughs> they don't care as much as Blake Griffin jumping over a car. And so the product has declined. Everybody, 
it, I used to love the slam dunk contest when I was. I haven't 10, watched 11, it in years. When I was 10, 11, 12 years old, that was like that was up there with the home run derby for me, if not ahead of it. Nobody cares anymore, and the only way people the only way people talk about it is to talk about how awful it is. It was terrible <laughs> this year. I, I did get a chance to see it this year, and I'm sorry to say that I did because it was genuinely bad. And I don't. I think Obi Toppin won. Yes, you could pull up slam dunk contest from 10 years ago where he would have been worse dead last this performance was worse than everybody else uh they missed dunks 10 times in a row you know it, it's as if they're just going out there going through the motions with, yeah going exactly that's exactly it going through the motions with with no real care for it no real i care. mean i used to look forward to when i was like a big time nerd when i was like 13 or 14 well i still am but when i was like 13 or 14 I'd like a week before it was the only thing I was looking forward to. It was like, I want to watch the dunk contest and you would hear stories about, or, or like news reports. These guys have this prop. This, these guys have this prop. They're yeah. planning to do this. Uh, they're bringing this guy out onto the court to do this. Now it's kind of just like, all right, we're here. Here's some guys that were in the G league two weeks ago that just came up and they could jump really high. And you know, they, like I actually not again to go down a rabbit hole, but like, I want to see guys like like Dwight Howard was a superstar in the NBA when he was winning dunk contests. Same thing with Blake Griffin. Nate Robinson, not so much, but he was a household name. You know what I'm saying? Like now we're getting guys where I'm just like, I don't even know who the hell you are. Why do yeah. I care about watching you dunk? I could go to yeah. I can go to um oh damn, I forgot that place in in, in Brooklyn, that park Brooklyn, that all the Brooklyn um park. yes, I can go yeah. there and watch guys do 360 dunks and it would be awesome, you know. And when I went through those names of guys who took it seriously, I don't, I don't, I, I should have mentioned Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine too. That yeah, was the not, best dunk contest ever. Yeah, twice because they went at it twice, and they were not, um, they weren't superstars. You know, we can all agree on that. Zach Levine isn't what he is today, and Aaron Gordon never became a superstar. But they were, they were a step ahead of uh, was was it Juan Toscano Anderson in this one? I think I, of the I Warriors. I, I think he was. Couldn't in this even one. tell you, dude. And the the big attraction was was I think Andrew Wiggins lobbing the ball to him on one of those dunks. Is that what you want the Homer Derby to be? That's like, really that's, upsetting that's that the main attraction was Andrew Wiggins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew Wiggins, you know, he wasn't even, I don't even know if he was jumped over. I think he just hand lobbed him the ball. <laughs> Is, this isn't what we want the Homer Derby to be. Not that I think the Homer Derby can ever become that just because of the nature of what a home run is. Yeah. But you want, of course, you want big names in it, and some big names do it, some big names don't. You know, I think I think one of these years we'll see Stanton back in it. Maybe one year we'll see Judge back in it. Yeah. Uh, but but other than that, these are most of these are all stars, um, and you have guys like Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto, great young players who want to do it. You know, they're not the Obi Toppins of their sport. Uh, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you 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 want guys to care about what they're doing? Um, yes. I, I'm all I'm all on board with the Pete Alonso memes. Um, I'll laugh at him. I pointed out when I was watching TV. I was like, "Oh, this is great," uh, but I thought it was great because it was good to see. I didn't think it was great because he was, uh, you know, corny or anything like that. But dude, Dan, we live, and you said it before best. Twitter is mainly negative, and yes. it's not only Twitter, dude. It is like the entire world. Anything that's no, it, it's the entire world. We're trying to change that. Meaning. There is, there is. Anything that someone enjoys in life, there's always someone on the internet that's going to come and shit on it for you. Yeah. Like that's just, that's just the way that it is. And, and so, like same thing, like Pete Alonso, like like maybe praying to like his dead grandparent or something to give him strength to win the the home run derby for the 14th time in a row. You know, 
someone is there to crap on it. Like it's just a shit storm all over the place. That's exactly what it is. And that's anything in any aspect of, of life, but under with sports it's under a microscope or under a magnifying glass rather, you know? So like, of course there's going to be someone that's there to clown him. But in reality, I think I'm, you know, mate, diehard Yankee fan. I never have a problem with the Mets really only when they're playing each other. I think Pete Alonso is great for the sport. I think he's great for the Mets. I think he's great for the Met fans, really, too. So I got no problem with Pete Alonso. You want to pray to whoever, you know, Jesus, Abraham, whoever it is, I, whoever it may be, go for it, Pete. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna clown you. <laughs> yeah, and so, and so, what's the ultimate message there? Don't care what other people think, because if if somebody's always gonna try to stomp on whatever you enjoy doing, there's no reason to care what they think. It's it's a guarantee that they're gonna. That, they're, that people are going to react the way that you don't like. And we, of course, that's a great way to lead into... I was just going to say it. The comments, <laughs> some of the reaction that, have, that has come out to the player rankings that I've posted on Instagram, uh, nothing crazy. You know, listen, it, I've gotten much worse in the past. This is, this is about average. There's, there's nothing to complain about. Uh, but it is funny. And so I've posted player rankings now for eight of the 11 position groups. I've, I posted the running backs right around when this reporting was beginning. So you I haven't seen the comments already? I did that. I haven't seen the comments yet. So. I'm, I'm going to pull it up right now. As, you talk, as, as you're talking, as you're talking about this, I'm going to pull it up right now. If you want to pull those up, that'll be a live reaction. But I've posted yeah. eight of the 11. We have got tomorrow the edge rushers getting posted, which – I drafted some of these lists back in April, and edge rusher is just a crazy talented position. Yeah, there, there are guys. People are going to be very upset, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be right there with. <laughs> going to be very upset. I'm, I'm going to be right there with them because there are so many guys that are just so talented at getting to the quarterback and disrupting games that couldn't make the list or that couldn't be top ten. So wow, you can get my live reaction from this too because I this is the first time I'm seeing it. Wow, you legitimately posted this. We. How did you we we've been on we've been recording for fifty three minutes and you posted this forty eight minutes ago? Yeah, no, I, I had it ready, so I had to put it up there because I was like, oh man, I'm not gonna, I don't want to post this at like seven thirty. So I I uh, let's see here. Ooh, okay, okay, all right. And, I'm not hating that. I'm 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 not gonna lie. I'm a little upset with the disrespect to David Montgomery. I think he's a little bit better than Rashad Penny. I'll you know, say I that. I had Montgomery 10th last year, and that was actually one of the things a lot of people were upset about. They thought he should have been lower. But he, he had was, a great year last year. He was so good at the end of 2020 with a, you know, a shaky offensive line that I thought he was going to have a big year. He really didn't. It's not totally his fault. Yeah. He was injured a little bit. The he offensive was good. line was bad. He was okay. He, he was good for what it was. For what it was. But it wasn't uh, enough for me to, to keep him near top 10. And I will say a lot of guys moved up there. Last year was a big yeah. year for running backs. A lot of guys stayed healthy uh, and, a, and a few guys broke out and I have a couple <laughs> on there that aren't big names. That yeah. I'm forward to seeing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Hold on. That, I, that was my first look at the, at the comments, but I, the other thing I want to say before I look more at the comments is I could see so many people being mad that you have AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. It's two top twenty running backs. I think it's very valid. I think AJ Dillon's there. He, he's. A I piece. think it's very very valid. But but I just think it is hilarious. But the first comment that I saw that made me laugh was, "Did DeAndre Swift and Saquon Barkley die?" <laughs> yeah, I think Saquon Barkley did. What did he do last year? What has he done since twenty nineteen? 
I listen. The, I know that the offense isn't great in New York, but man, okay. he he's been inefficient or injured for two years now. I all right, I, I can't like, I can't in good faith rank him top twenty. I yeah. I, know, I understand he's got such a big name, but I just can't do it. He hasn't so, put up the performance. I do have to ask you one thing though. I am very surprised at the Rashad Penny at number fifteen, especially with the Seahawks drafting Kenneth Walker. So can you give me a, can you give us a little insight on, on what you're thinking? Not, not for this. Cause I think Rashad Penny actually had a good year for what he, what, you know, in the limited playing time he had last year, but can you tell me like what you think his role is going to be with Kenneth Walker being in there and everyone's forgetting about Chris Carson as well. Right. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds like Chris Carson might not play this year. He's got a, he's got like a long-term injury. I don't know if it's the neck or the back. I think he's going like to, I think he's going to retire. So it, it doesn't look like he has a great chance of playing. So the way I, I – I think I read that Penny's expected to get about 20 carries a game. And uh, Kenneth Walker will probably be the third down back, change of pace back. Uh, but Rashad Penny, last year – these are the last five weeks of the season. 137 yards. This is all rushing, no receiving. Mm-hmm. 137 yards, uh, 39. He had 11 carries. Uh, next week, 135 yards on 17 carries. Then 170 yards on 25 carries, two touchdowns. Week, week 18, 190 yards on 23 carries, one touchdown. He didn't become the feature back until the last five weeks of the season. And over that span, he had 671 yards and six touchdowns in, in, uh, in five games, which comes out to an average of something like 2,000 yards. So he's not, he's not going to put up 2,000 yards. But I think I think he's in line for anywhere between a thousand to twelve hundred. If okay. he gets healthy, I, I like this is a live reaction, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, um, I, I like this list a lot. I definitely agree with JT at number one over Derrick Henry, and I think we've talked about that before as well, um, like in text and stuff. I love the Nick Chubb respect. Finally, someone's putting some respect on Nick oh, Chubb's I love name. Nick Chubb. No, he's. I love that. I love I love Javante Williams at eleven. I think that the fact that Melvin Gordon came back to take more carries away from Javante Williams is an absolute no, sin. That, that that made me upset because I thought I, it was perfect. You let him walk and you give Javante Williams the ball constantly next year. My 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 two things, I guess I would say, I kind of agree with you on the not having Saquon here because you said, you know, what has he done? And he hasn't been able to stay healthy. I'm a big fan, especially in my left tackle rankings. A lot of guys I had low, like I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Like I had Trent Brown at number 23, but like is is Trent Brown really the 23rd best tackle left tackle? Probably not, but he hasn't stayed on the field since 2018. So why am I going to rank him that high? But I think one, a couple of things I would change. I definitely think that you have to find, or I would find a place on this list for Elijah Mitchell and DeAndre Swift. Elijah Mitchell was 21. He was 21. Ah. That, that's what it came down to. And what, what made me a little hesitant was that system and how everybody thrives in that system. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at the pure numbers and it's very similar to Miles Sanders where he didn't get as, much, as many carries as a lot of the guys on this, uh, on this list, but he was so efficient when he did. I think they both averaged around five and a half yards a carry. Uh, but you know, if I got to give any, anybody the benefit of the doubt, it's somebody who's not in that Shanahan. Well, so yeah, somebody who's not in that Shanahan system where Raheem Mostert and every, every running back that's come through there has thrived. Uh, but DeAndre Swift, that's a tough one. He's another guy where like, he's got the potential to be an Austin Eckler. 
you know, mm-hmm. be this cool threat, great pass catcher out of the backfield. Um, but I, I, he hasn't really done enough on the ground, I think, to be up there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's inconsistent too. You know, he he can have a game where he's got ninety yards on the ground, seventy, sixty or seventy through the air, scores a touchdown or two, and he looks like he's the centerpiece of the Lions offense. And then the next week he comes out and he puts up twenty five yards on the ground. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little – the consistency is a little bit of a problem for me. Okay. And to be honest, last year, if I remember correctly, I think I left him off last year as like 21 or 22. And I thought to myself, all right, he's going to be on here next year. Like he's going to earn his place. The Lions are going to have no choice but to give him the ball and he's going he's gonna to run with it. It didn't happen. So, you know, uh, part of me wants to say like, oh, yeah, let, wait till he has that year, you know, that big – that breakout year. Maybe it's this year and he'll be on here. You know, I don't know. I was a little disappointed by him last year. He had flashes, but he never really put put it all together week to week. But uh, okay, no, it was a all tough right. call on a lot of these guys. I'm trying to remember trying to remember who else uh, didn't make the cut. James Conner was another one because he he was not very efficient last year. He was a Pro Bowler only because like the NFC and uh, the amount of touchdowns that he scored. Yeah, the, well, the amount of touchdowns. He was a very good red zone uh, running back, and then. The NFC really didn't have a ton of options for the Pro Bowl, so he ended up in the Pro Bowl. But uh, I, I just couldn't put him above the efficiency of someone like Miles Sanders or even Elijah Mitchell, who didn't make it. Yeah. All right. I think it's very valid. I just wanted to kind of hear your uh, perspective because obviously, like, people who have been fans of all sports news for years, years, years now don't really get to hear the reasoning behind some of your picks. So I. I mean, if you kind of want to, I think maybe now that I'm thinking about it, like live right now, I think what we maybe should do over these next few like rankings and stuff is maybe make a segment next week because you'll probably be done with, with your player yeah, ranking by, by, by next week. So maybe we'll go over the, the, the ones that you posted over the week and maybe we'll see like, oh, you know, why is this person not here? Why is this person so high? And like, we'll get some of the viewers, like some of your reasoning, because obviously all valid points, but like I could see you like... I don't have nearly the amount of comments that you do. And it's exhausting, dude. <laughs> like, like I think my top, like my video that I had, I think I have the most comments on is like my Cincinnati Bengals seven round mock draft from last year. And yeah. it had like, like, like close to 300 comments on it. And it was just absolutely exhausting. Like I'd wake up to like 25 notifications and I'm just like, <sighs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, like, let me go through this. And of course, it's all, B- uh, most of it is BS. You'll get a, the occasional guy that's like, love it. And you're like, yeah. wow, I really appreciate you. And, and most of the people who love it just don't comment. They, they, they move yeah, on. Exactly. Like, exactly. I wish that those people would more. So I get it. But, but I, I think that I, I think that it's, it's good to get like a, like a pers- your perspective. Cause obviously like people might think, Oh my God, he doesn't have Saquon on here. Like he must not know football, but obviously, you know, more football than the average American male. So, so. I'd like to think that you do. So <laughs> like, you know, I think that it, it's good to kind of get your knowledge out there a little bit more and maybe give some people who like these player rankings and, and like, and listen to the show. Maybe they'll, they'll give it a nice little crossover. Like, you know, I, I think it's a good idea, and I, I, I love that you do this, and I always look forward to them every year. My most, my um, my favorite thing to look forward to that you do for a preseason is the uh, preseason baseball rankings. I love yeah. that; that's my favorite. It's definitely my favorite. But um, I mean, it's been really easy for you for the la- like the bottom two the last couple of years. It's basically just been this the um, the Pirates and the Orioles, basically. But you, I don't think you could say that going into next year. But no, I don't know if you could say that about either of them. 
I mean, Pirates are on the rise a little bit. You know, they're yeah. they're not they're not up to the Orioles stature yet, but I don't think they're the worst team in baseball or anything like that. So next I, year, next year might be interesting. And yeah. next year, hopefully, I don't have to post two a day like I did this year because of the lockout. So yeah, that'll be a little easier next year. We can have a little more fun with it. Hopefully, I think that this segment kind of really turned into a live reaction, but I'm not really mad at it. We could always recycle this uh, this segment for next week as well because we didn't really read any comments, but I think that it was, it was good to get a live reaction out of the, the running backs and all that kind of stuff. Cause that's extremely controversial. And I can only imagine what the quarterbacks are going to be when you get to it. So I, I'm, I'm very, very excited for that. Do we uh, do Do you have a, a day that you're going to post that one? Yeah. The quarterbacks are going to be last. That'll be Wednesday. So Excellent. Tomorrow, okay. tomorrow edge rushers uh, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Well, as you're listening to this, it's today. So Monday edge rushers, uh, Tuesday wide receivers, which that's becoming a lot of fun every year, just because nice. all these receivers changing teams and being valued differently, it's becoming a lot of fun. And then uh, quarterbacks on Wednesday, and I think I think running backs were especially tough this year. Uh, last year they got a ton of reaction. Last year people had all kinds of problems with the running. Well, don't backs. worry, bud. There's 260 comments in the first hour for you yeah, to comb through after we get off this. So have fun with that. I, I, I think I'm going to make it my mission to respond to some of them after this, but. The running backs were very tough to rank. It was tough to, to limit it to 20. And I actually had a really tough time with the corners this year, not finding 20 of them. Actually, finding 20 of them was tough because it kind of – it kind of There's a severe talent drop-off. There's a, there's a talent drop-off around maybe like uh, 17, 18, 19, 20. But the top 10 was tough. Yeah. Very tough. It was a clear-cut top 10 in my mind. Uh, I had Denzel Ward 10. So uh, three to ten was the problem. I had no problem putting Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard one and two. Yeah. Three was J.C. Jackson. Ten was Denzel Ward. And I feel like if you wanted to go out there and make the case that Denzel Ward is better than J.C. Jackson, I wouldn't blame you. That's how close yeah. three to ten was. Like ridiculously close. A, a few guys who had off years last year but were elite the year before. I'm thinking like Marlon Humphrey. Chaguer Alexander really didn't play. Uh, Tredavious White before he got hurt wasn't having his best year. But they were all – Pretty much elite the year yeah. before. Um, and then you had – I definitely me, saw the hate for the Jair Alexander at number nine. They were very – yeah, people were not happy. I definitely that. saw that and I was like, well, because obviously then you then you cross-reference it with the fact that he basically got paid like – didn't he sign like a massive extension? Yeah, he extension? signed a huge extension. Yeah, so like now you're like, oh, why is he getting this much money if he's the ninth best cornerback? But, but um, you know what? Denzel Ward got a ton of money too and I have yeah. intent. I think that's the position right now. You got 10, 10 outstanding – Pro Bowl caliber guys who probably could all rise to the level of all pro. And yeah. I don't mean to like, I don't mean to cut you off. I'm going to let you finish that. But I will say. Oh, that was it. <laughs> no, so, we got, so, so we got those guys who, who were elite before, but didn't have their best year in 2021. And then we have two guys on the rise. AJ Terrell, who I had above uh, Trevon Diggs. Who, Patrick Sertain. And Patrick Sertain is 12. I think next year he'll be top 10. As long as he progresses as he should. Yeah. Uh, so you got. I got AJ Terrell and Trevon Diggs, and Trevon Diggs is very tough to rank, too. But I think I think we had this weird year of guys who are either on the rise and haven't proven it for multiple years yet, like Diggs and Terrell, mm-hmm. uh, or guys who were outstanding in 2020 but didn't play their best or didn't play at all uh, in 2021, like Marlon Humphrey, Tre'Davious White, Jair Alexander, uh, and then Denzel Ward, who is a, a a very good but maybe not elite quarter corner. Mm-hmm. Um, JC Jackson, who 
by all he's not as big of a name as most of these guys, but by all accounts, he, he's he deserves to be top three or four. He's been that good yeah. for the last two years. Um, and then because of how because of how volatile all these guys were, you know, either they've only done it for one year or they didn't have a great 2021. I thought Marshawn Lattimore deserves some credit because he's been doing playing at a high level for five years in a row. Mm-hmm. Never really had a rough year. Hasn't missed much time due to injury. And so I put him fourth after I was thinking about having him seventh or eighth. I ended up putting him fourth above Tredavious White, Marlon Humphrey, and the rest because I, I thought he deserved credit for that. You know, the best ability is availability, and he's been, yeah. he's been available and he's been consistent. I I didn't really. The only thing is, I'm super high on. Sertan, so I probably if I was to make a rankings, which I will be at some point, he'll probably be like be in my top ten, but it won't be like super high in the top ten. But yeah. I think he's incredible. And like you said, as long as he keeps progressing the way that he should, and he'll he'll definitely be in there. But yeah, like I said, be top ten for I, I think that I think you do a great job and it's a thankless job, I feel <laughs> like, because a lot of people won't do their own research and they'll just go to you and then they'll have something to complain about. So I think that you do a great job managing the fact that you don't really care about what those people think. And I love the fate. My favorite like comeback is like, you always say, you're like, well, you're the only person that disagree with it. So really it doesn't matter to me. And that's basically like what you're saying on some of them. And I, I think that that's great, but I think um, we're pretty much Wrapping it up here, we have one more quick topic to talk about. I thought it was uh, an interesting trade. And so I feel like we're closing like every like show with some sort of NHL. I know it's like one of the lesser popular sports, but this was an interesting trade. Uh, I, I, I wasn't, I was kind of perplexed in a way, I guess you could say. I have it right here. Hold on. The actual full details of the trade. Hold on one second. So it was, um, well, it was the uh, Calgary Flames traded Matthew Tuchuk to the Florida Panthers for Jonathan Huberdeau, Mackenzie Weger, and Cole Schwind. Schwind? Schwind. That's an interesting last name. Uh, And and a lottery-protected first-round selection in the 2025 draft that will probably become a second-round pick if Mm -hmm. the Calgary Flames, or no, the Florida Panthers are in the lottery, but I highly doubt that they'll be in the lottery. Right. Um, But I don't want to say like for like, because really, this was, if you look at what Huberdeau has done over his career, besides if you take out 2018-19 where he had 92 points and 30 goals, he's really been hovering around 40 to 60 points a year throughout his whole career. So, like, all right, like, you know, nothing too crazy. This year he exploded for 30 goals and 85 assists and had 115 points. So maybe in his age 30, uh, not sorry, not age 30, age 28 season, he really found something that he was missing. And that's that's something that we've been seeing over the course of, of a few years now where there's guys that just really put it together. Like I think of, um, what's his name in Dallas? Jason Robertson, who yeah. has just started to really put it together. He had a 30-plus goal season this year. Like he's really, really looked good. But then you got Tuchuk, who's been pretty, like, Kind of the same thing in a way. If you take away, I'm looking at the stats right now. If you take away, coincidentally enough, 2018-19, where he scored 77 points overall, 34 goals, 43 assists, hasn't really been too spectacular. Once again, hovering between 40 to 60 points. But this year he exploded. He played in all 82 games, which led the NHL in games played. But I'm sure he was tied with a few people. They had 42 goals, 62 assists, 104 points. But my point here is, I guess we're just seeing this trade because Tuchuk is younger, 
and he has more time to blossom. But it to me, it right away seemed like a like for like deal. I know you get you know a couple pieces back with Huberdo for Tuchuk, but I, I I was kind of perplexed at the whole thing, and I feel like Calgary is kind of sputtering after after losing uh, Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, I mean, if you're a hockey fan. You you saw this trade and you well you saw the the first news that came out about Kachuk being traded and you said all right that's significant uh, it, we knew it was going to happen he he told the Flames he wasn't going to resign and uh, then you see five minutes later that Jonathan Huberto is going back and you say well that that's massive you know you've got you've got these two teams that were Stanley Cup contenders this past year the the Panthers they both ended up losing in the second round but they both uh, were among the best teams in the NHL two hot, high octane offenses. And Kachuk and Huberto have been a huge part of it. Uh, Huberto in, in Florida and to Kachuk in Calgary for the past few years. Two uh, 100-point players this past year. And if you're the Panthers, I, I, I'm guessing they're thinking, look, we were the, we were the President's Trophy winners. Uh, we should have ended up, you know, we, we, by definition, as the President's Trophy winners, we should have ended yeah. up much farther than the second round, if not winning a championship. Uh, we kind of fell on our face, weren't able to score on Vasilevsky in the playoffs. We need a goal score. Yeah. And Kachuk isn't, you know, he's not a, when you see him, you don't think goals, 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 but he scores more goals than Huberto, who even in a 115 point season only had 30, right? I think it was 30 mm-hmm. goals. For yeah, Huberto. 30 goals, 85 assists. You know, yeah. Eventually, you have to put the puck in the net. And so if, you're, if your strength is getting the puck to guys who can put them in the net, that may not play as well against somebody like Vasilevsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they struggled with in, in the second round. So now they've got a guy they believe can put the puck in the net. He is six years younger, I believe. He's uh, uh, four four years younger. Four years younger. Okay, and it, it comes at a price. You know, they got. I think they're paying him nine nine and a half million a year. So they're, they're paying. What is that? For that's over eight or seven, right? One yeah, over eight, over uh, eight years, I think, because it was technically a sign and trade, the first one ever yeah. in the NHL. Um, and you've got they lost. They have the space. They lost Claude Giroux. They lost a couple of guys. Um, but look, the Panthers, are, I think, are the class of team that said, we are, we're very good. We need to become great. Yeah. Uh, trading a 115-point player, you know, there's a lot of people who believe, well, that's not really becoming great. That's just kind of making a deal to make a deal. You know, it's just to shake things up. I think they believe they're going to get more of a goal scorer in Kachuk. Yeah. Uh, from the Flames' perspective, look, they, they – they did great in getting a player like that. Like if, you know, if they lost 200 point players and they were left with nothing next year, they would have been a non-contender, a non-playoff contender, nothing. There's no reason for anybody to pay attention to them. Now they have somebody who either they can trade and get a haul for, whether at the, at the deadline or whatever, uh, or they can try to sign to a long-term extension and build around them. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a weird situation because you're thinking, well, they're not going to be as good as they once were. With Gaudreau, you're right. They're not. That's that's why, as good of a haul as it was, you're you're still kind of stuck wondering what's the direction here for the Flames. But in terms of right now, uh, they did well and they made themselves a lot more watchable by getting yeah. a player of that caliber. Yeah, I, I just thought as like because I know that you are a big hockey fan as well, like I am. So I knew that it was it was definitely going to pique your interest talking about something like this. I think that. I think you bring up very valid points. I don't think that there's a big difference between 42 goals and 30 goals. I mean, yeah, 12 is, is, is big, but it's not like you're going out there and you're getting Austin Matthews who just scored, you know, 61 goals this season. But uh, I, I do think what you're saying is very valid. 
I do agree with that. I just thought it was very strange. Uh, I think that Calgary in the long term sort of kind of won this trade, even though Tuchuk is 24 years old, but it did sign a massive contract. Nine and a half million dollars doesn't sound like a lot in, in American sports, but that is a significant amount of money in the NHL. So yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Obviously, we have plenty of time before it plays out, and I'm sure that there are going to be more deals like this or similar to this as the offseason goes on. But, um, yeah, I think wrapping it up here, there's just one more thing I wanted to say, and it's kind of very, very off topic, but uh, I I was looking at your Instagram page, and it reminded me, uh, super unfortunate news from John Mechie that he has leukemia. He's going to be missing his entire rookie season, but I hope that he gets the treatment uh, he needs and he will be able to beat it and he'll come back and play football healthy and happy and he'll have a long fruitful career because that was a really big blow that that um that made me sad because I thought Mechie fell into a perfect situation in Houston for his rookie year and I thought he was going to be really really good but I wish him the best I wish him a speedy recovery and I hope that everything will turn out okay with him yeah, Mechie's had a couple tough breaks he, he tore his ACL in December and obviously that that's not even on the same plane as as the diagnosis he announced today. Uh, yeah, he said it's the most curable form of leukemia. And we have seen, we've seen a few athletes uh, battle cancer and come yeah. through it really, not only come through it, uh, you know, get back to full health real quick, but also have great careers afterwards. Uh, yes. I'm thinking especially of Trey Mancini, who had stage three colon cancer back in yeah. 2020. And, and all of a sudden he's, he's an above average hitter again, like nothing ever happened. Um, he's in a good place. You know, I know, I know the regimes have changed a lot with the Texans, but they, Texans have actually dealt with, uh, two cancer scares Yes, over the last decade. They had David Questenberry, who's, who ended up, uh, recovering from lymphoma and he's, I don't know if he's still with them, but he spent a few years with the Titans and I don't know if he's still in Tennessee, but he, he ended up starting some games and he's had a long NFL career as a reserve offensive lineman. Uh, Andre Hall, the, who was a, yeah. safe, uh, a safety that started a year or two in Houston. He also had lymphoma a few years ago. He recovered pretty quick. So, uh, you know, the, the Texans have dealt with this before. Uh, it sounds like uh, we know we know Mechie is probably surrounded by the best doctors. He oh, can get. Hopefully he comes through and is able to have a great career. And I think you're right. He he really did land in a great situation where the Texans, yeah. the Texans need weapons. And, you know, once he got healthy from the ACL injury, he would have had a chance to really prove himself. But uh, he's he's still very young. He's going to get that shot. You know, most important thing right now is his health. And so Absolutely. hopefully 2023 or by some miracle even earlier, he's back out there and he's showing them what he can do. Well said, Dan. Uh, I think that was a nice way to end off because I did see that. And I, I did want to mention I saw it earlier today, but it slipped my mind. And I'm glad that I, I checked. See, this is what all sports news is great for. That's what I See, try to do. I completely forgot. And Dan reminded me that's why dan is not only a great podcaster a great co-host but he's also the best newsman i guess if you want to say for sports on all of instagram and i think that's exactly how it should end thank you guys so much for listening today we really appreciate it like i said before the support and the downloads have been absolutely off the chart the episodes are doing fantastic we can't thank you guys enough and uh, we hope that you enjoyed this one, and we can't wait to see you in the next one. Dan, send us home, baby. I appreciate all the support. I know Peter appreciates all the support. We thank you for listening, and please do listen again next week because I think we're actually going to have a lot of fun going over some of these rankings and some of your comments. So if you want some entertainment, please come back, give us a listen. It's, I think we're going to have a good time.